Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Brunch on Sundays with your favorite host, the Cap Queen and Rhino X himself. And today we we're gonna to touch on a, a pretty pretty uh, deep topic. This episode, I, I think that um, it's it's definitely gotten more attention in recent years than it has before. But I still think that there are so many preconceived notions and stigmas surrounding it that I think we, you know, we, we wouldn't be doing our jobs as, you know, influencers or whatever you want to call us if we didn't have a conversation about mental health and the effects that mental health can have on your day-to-day lives and, you know, on your friends and your family and your relationships. So we're, we're going to touch on that. Um, so, yeah, so we hope you guys enjoy the episode. So, um, first things first, how was your mental today? Right now, I'm pretty good. Like, I'm in a good spot. I've been in a good spot for the past few months, which is good for me. Because sometimes I be, I be having my moments where I be like, oh, I'm down bad and I ain't going to talk to nobody for a week and a half. And I'm not going to answer nobody's phone call or text messages. And I'm going to pop back up later like everything's okay. Well, I take a week to listen to Eminem and the old Eminem. So <laughs> Eminem from the 90s and the early 2000s. So yeah. Got you, got you. Um, that's good. That's good. Um, if we're going to be honest, I would say my mental health right now was about a five, um, five out of 10. Um, for me, it's always, you know, a, every day is different for me. Um, every day comes with its own unique challenges um and i mean for the most part i do a pretty good job but some days are harder than others and today was just one of those days um between you know stressing my job the typical stress of being black in america (laughs) yeah um, and a bunch of other stuff so like today's one of those days where all of those things kind of converged on me at once and it was like shit it's just a shitty day um, so I mean, overall, I had a pretty good day, but mental health wise, it wasn't the best day. Um, so yeah, um, and that that's okay. I mean, every, every day, the one thing that I can say that I have learned in dealing with mental health is that it's okay to have not okay days. Um, we all go through them, and you know, we all figure out a way to, you know, get through it. Um, so. Definitely, you know, I, I'm I'm getting better. I'm, I'm starting to feel better, but overall, it's you know, it was it was a rough day. Um, so I guess my first question is, how important is understanding your mental health? Extremely, and I say that from my job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know I don't talk about my job often, but I do actually have a job. Um, well, and- as much money as you spend, I hope you got a job. <laughs> Hey, yo, I do actually have a job and primarily my job is to connect and outreach with those who are seeking mental health services to better their lives. So that's that's my one that's part of my job, but that's my job. So having an understanding of one's mental health when you work in a field like that is very important because if I could if I could legally tell y'all some of the shit I hear at work or read at work. 
you would want to see a therapist for me in regards to some of the cases that I deal with. So being able to check my own, like, okay, you having a bad day. And I love how my supervisor and just my, all of my senior leadership are very, they advocate, you need a mental health day, take it. You, you need to clock out early from work because it's been draining and you're, and you're getting tired, take it. So thankfully I have that space to be keep in and keep in check with my mental health so understanding one's mental health is important also how can you help the people around you when they're down and out if you don't have a true understanding Mm -hmm. of your own mental health because everybody always wants to say oh i'll support you but how can you support me if you don't understand your own Mm -hmm. that's like the blind leading the blind it don't work let me tell you that that shit happens more than you think um piggybacking off of that, that that i mean i think you bring up a really important point which is we don't take into account how our jobs can either can how how the role that our jobs play on the goodness or the badness of our mental health mm-hmm. um especially depending on which jobs you have like i have one friend she's you know a social worker and i'm like yo, I pray baby, for her every day baby girl listen you need a therapist not not just because, not because there's something wrong with you but the job that you do incur so much stress that before long you'll realize that you're carrying other people's stuff with you and Mm -hmm. as humans we we do that a lot um it's like you know in us just doing our regular daily routine we don't realize that a lot of our interactions is a transference of a lot of energy Not all the energy that you're exchanging is positive. It's good. Um, I work in a very, you know, high stressful job. And a lot of people go, oh, well, you work in higher education. So why is it stressful? That's that's wild stressful. It's stressful <laughs> for a number of different reasons. So like, I'm, I'm not even going to lie to you. Like, part of one of the things that's, you know, affecting my mental health is my job. Not the fact that I don't like my job. I love, I love most of my job. But the part of my job that I don't like is okay. So I've gone through the whole higher education system. I, I've, I've got I've gotten my bachelor's. I've gotten my master's, right? Mm-hmm. And especially in getting out with my master's and seeing how the game is being played and how it's set up for people that look like me to fail. That aspect of what I do weighs on me. And it has been weighing on me for a while, but especially at the institution that I'm at now, it, it weighs on me even more. So when I graduated, I graduated with over $107,000 in debt for two degrees. That, 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 it is what it is. Um, Money bag. Nah, listen, I need Joe to forget him just because I ain't paying him back. I, uh, <laughs> listen, we say forgive and forget. I need him to forgive because I've already forgotten. So <laughs> that's, okay. what I, that's what I need him to do. So Joe, listen, you might be shitty about everything else, but if you can just hook a brother up real quick one time for one time, it would be really appreciated. But moving on. So, you know, I remember when I was in high school and having the conversation of what a, high, what, what a college degree meant and what were the uses and functions of it. And I never forget, I had a career counselor come in and he goes, listen, guys, it doesn't make sense for you guys to go out and incur all this debt 
getting your bachelor's degree because you are in the era that a bachelor's degree is the equivalent to a high school diploma. It doesn't mean much. Like a lot of people have a bachelor's degree. If anything, you want to go cheap, go the cheap route with your bachelor's and then try to find a more in-depth, detailed master's program. Now, how does that play into my job? Well, I work at a private liberal arts college. And for those of you that don't know what that means, basically it's a really small college that charges you out, out the wazoo for shit that you can get everywhere else, to be completely honest. Um, yep. And I work with first year students. And a lot of them, whether it's just the trends, whether it's you know COVID education, but even before this, the trends were what they were, but a lot of them are going into college because they feel as though they have no other options. A lot of mm-hmm. them don't want to be in college. So it's like, you know, part of my job is getting them to register. I'm like, yo, he failed all his classes last semester, bro. Why, why am I encouraging him to keep going? Obviously, that's not for him. Right. When it's clear and obvious that this is not what he wants to be doing or needs to be doing at this point. So for me, I'm like, I, I see the, you know, the black and brown kids that come into my office and I'm like, bro, like, if this is not what you want to do, let's figure out what you can do because I don't want you to, you know, God forbid you, you know, you stay here for a year and they charging you 40, you know, 30, 40,000 a semester. And then you leave out of here and you only get six months before they start calling you back for that money back. Like to mm-hmm. me that, you know, I didn't think that it weighed on me as much, but like when I really took a step back, I'm like, yo, this shit really weighs on me because I'm like, I feel like I'm, I'm part of the problem and helping set them up to be behind the eight ball when it comes to trying to, you know, be successful in their personal lives. And that shit eats at me. It, it really does. Like it is, and I, you know, people that know me, I've had this conversation before, but like that shit is really starting to weigh on me. So like that, that affects my mental health a lot. Um, it's like, you know, and then the, fr- the, the more frustrating part is that you go in and you see these trends and you see these different things and you're, you know, you're, making recommendations to the people in power and they're not doing anything. And this is like, what the fuck is the point? Like, so your job, you know, depending on what it is, can really play a major role in your mental health. And I I really don't think that a lot of people take that into account. They just think, oh, well, you know, it's just work. But no, sometimes work attaches itself and it follows you. And, you know, you like damn man i don't know why i'm so tense why i'm so stressed and it's really that so i definitely think that being able to identify what our stressors are um and being able to identify you know look bro i'm, I'm not having a good day like it, it, it's okay to admit that i mean I, I think that there was a stigma especially for black men that you know um acknowledging it makes you weak I'm like, no, in my, in my opinion, acknowledging this what makes you strong because you, it's you being able to identify that something is wrong, you know? Um, so, I, you know, I, I don't know how you grew up, but I was always, you know, I always thought, oh, well, sticks and stones may break bones, but words don't hurt. That bullshit. And I'm like, mm, no, some of them were hurt like a motherfucker, bro. Like, damn. Listen. So, you know, from a young age, you know, it has been instilled, especially in black and brown kids, you know, emotional stuff and mental stuff is not important. And I'm like, you know, like I said, in years, the last couple of years, we've started moving away from it, but I, I, it's still so much work to do 
in that regard. Um, so definitely think that, you know, understanding one's mental health is very, very important to a successful and, and healthy life. So my next question is, um, name some experiences that you've had, you know, where your mental health was an issue and, and like how you dealt with it. Where my mental health was an issue? Mm-hmm. Um, I can have more when me not dealing with my mental health was an mm-hmm. issue. So um, junior year undergrad, it was second semester, um, two really close friends of mine had passed away within like two weeks of each other. And I'm like, I'm fucked up. Like I was fucked up behind it, but I didn't mourn appropriately. And I didn't take time to check in on my mental health, which ended up giving me a spiral. Like it was like a series of unfortunate events. So um, my homie, he had passed away due to some metal, um, due to illness. And let's say the middle of April. Mm-hmm. And then like two weeks later, right before finals week, the friend I've had for the longest period of time, she actually died in a car accident. Mm-hmm. She was a new mom. Her baby was three months at the time. And it was just like, okay, senior year is there. You got to graduate. So you don't have time to be sitting here crying and whatnot. You got to get through finals. You got to work this summer. And then you got to come back because I was already at the time. So I didn't really get a summer break. Like I got one, but I didn't really get one because I had to come back. So I didn't really check in with myself the way I needed to, which led to a series of unfortunate events. My first semester senior year where I was like trigger warning, I was self-harming. I wasn't really going to class and it caused other. Hold on, Mick. Let me, somebody got to go to my door. Give me one second. Okay. All right, we back, we back. So I, I wasn't really going to class and it was just like one thing led to another. So I was already depressed. Then I had some, for legal reasons, I will not fully discuss on this thing, but I had some issues with some of my residents and that was that. Was that. But I'm not checking it on myself, but then I'm trying to be... Sh- the strong RA or the RA for everybody, which caused another series of unfortunate events. So it was like, it was like a downward spiral from like May up until like, I want to say like November. No, I can dig that. And I had to like, I think I ended up like somewhat taking a, a unofficial leave of absence for school for like two weeks. Like I just packed up my shit. I had enough sick time for work. Oh yeah, and then I'm working full time at all during all this. I had enough sick time for work, and I came home for like two weeks, and I had to reevaluate myself. And because I didn't take the time to evaluate myself before all of this, because my concern was graduating, now I'm really at a point where, bitch, you're gonna fail this semester, mm-hmm. and you're not graduating on time. And like many black households, who has money for that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> who has money for that? So I took some time, got myself together, did some crying and pleading with my professors. Thankfully, Mm -hmm. everybody was understanding of what I was going through. So they allowed me to make up extra work, um, do extra credit, 
do everything, ended up passing the semester to go on to do my final semester. And in that moment, it made me realize that I need to constantly take care of my mental health because in my adult life, I can't afford to have a series of events spiral out like that Mm -hmm. and affect me that way. So I need to keep these check-ins and I need to keep doing what I need to do. Now, yeah, now I've mastered, oh, you having a bad day? Don't talk to nobody, just do your work. Especially with this whole work from home thing, I have mastered being depressed and working. Mm-hmm. It's not good, but I have mastered being depressed and working because bills still need to get paid. Life still needs to go on. Yeah, you're having a bad day and yeah, you may be down and out, but you still need to do these things because who got time not to get a check? No, that's real rap. <laughs> like, again, for legal reasons, this is a joke. But when the whole breakup happened, I want to say I was legit crying, processing outpatient authorizations and reviews. Got you. They didn't know I was crying. <laughs> but I was legit crying at my work, like bawling. I got to get this work done. So it's actually ironic because it also was my junior year of college that, uh, well, so even before that, um, you know, growing up, Pop left when I was a young boy, so you had the shit dealing with that. Um, so that definitely started the, I would say, imbalance of mental health, whatever, whatever you want to call it. So dealing with that. Dealt, you know, kind of sort of dealt with it as a teenager, but not really. Again, not paying it too much attention. Um, but it was always it was documented that I had anger problems. That I, I was really quick to get mad and really quick to get frustrated. So you know, they had me talking to somebody. I'm like, mm, okay, whatever. We got to the root of that. I thought it was done. Whatever. Junior year comes. I never forget. So my mom had went in and got an X-ray on her chest. And um, she had a leaking valve in her heart. And she, you know, was scheduled to go on for surgery, whatever the case may be. So this was, I want to say, January of my junior year. So that would be spring semester. So, you know, she called, hey, Nick, like, you know, this was, this was going on. I'm going to go in, everything's going to be okay, right? So she went in for a checkup, another x-ray. They said, oh, well, you don't even need the surgery no more because apparently your heart valve stopped leaking. Okay. Well, you don't question God. Right. We don't question God's blessings at this point. So, all right, buddy. Like, all right, we good. Go back for another checkup. Saw that it was still leaking, so she had to go for surgery. By this time, it's, I want to say right after my birthday so right at like end of march early april so you know me oh anybody that knows me knows my mom my best fucking friend so i'm like bro fuck fuck school bro like i'm i'm coming home like yeah what you mean she's like no nick you know stay up there you know finish your finals i'll be here when you get back for legal purposes unfortunately that's not what happened and mom ended up passing away that summer um but at that point, I didn't care about finals because I'm worried about my mom. And, you know, so I, I ain't funking, but I damn sure ain't passing. Um, and then that summer, I'll never forget. 
And I, I will always be appreciative for ESU, no matter how shitty people think that school is or how great they think it is, depending on who you ask. But I can literally say that East Strasburg University is the reason why I'm still alive today. Um, because I had gotten the job as an orientation leader for that summer. Mm-hmm. My mom died the day I was supposed to go back up there to start that job. As I'm packing the car to go up there, my stepdad comes in the house. He goes, yo, hold up. We got to go to the hospital. It's mommy. Floored. Fucking floored me. I'm, I'm sitting there like, what? Like, what the fuck is going on? Now, I will say this. Love my stepdad. All, you know, all he did, you know, he took me in like his own, like nothing but respect for him. All that. The one thing that in all of my years, I will always be kind of ticked off about. Mind you, at this point, I'm grown. Like, I'm a junior in college. I'm not a little kid. My, my little brother was young. Mm-hmm. Me, I'm grown. The one thing that I wish he did was share more information with me about her condition. <laughs> because there were things that was happening that had I been told, not that anybody's ever prepared to lose anybody. No, but it would have made what transpired not out of the blue. To me, everything was out of the blue. I'm just like, the floor just fell from beneath me because like, where the fuck did all of this come from? Um, long story short, there were complications. Um, you know, they were talking about cutting off limbs and toes. Yeah, because it was the circulation wasn't working. So I'm like, had you told me that, I would have known there were problems. At the very least, yeah, it wouldn't have been as like it right. still would have been a shock, but so um, like I said that day, obviously didn't go up there, but right after I went up there, you know, everybody, you know, I told my told my boss up there, hey, this is why I'm not up there, like I'm dealing with that. He said, yo, you still want to work? I'm like, it's not that I want to work, I need to work mm-hmm. because if I don't, I'm probably going to hurt myself. Mm-hmm. So he told him that. So he said, okay. Um, and, you know, that summer came, you know, everything came and went. But for me, my rock bottom was my mom's funeral. So the day she passed, obviously in the hospital. And like I said, because everything was all coming and hitting me at once, I didn't, I wasn't able to feel anything. Like, I was just numb. Like, I was sad, but like, I, I, I couldn't feel. And, um, but yeah, seeing her in that casket, lost my shit. Like, absolutely lost it. Like, I, the funerals. I don't think I've ever cried more in my life. Like, I, bruh. And, I, you know, all of my friends that was there, I appreciate y'all. My best friend, Josh, like, when I tell you, I don't give a fuck what comes, what goes. I know for a fact that Joshua will always be my best friend because, like, at that point, I couldn't even stand up. Like, and he was, like, there the whole time. Like, bro, I got you. And I'm like, yo, I'm fucked up. So that's where my shit started. Um, the thing for me is that a lot of people don't know how to grieve. We don't. That was more than painfully apparent when it came to me. Um, I didn't know how to process what happened. And when I tell you the lingering effects, I, I mean, to this day, this shit still lingers, but like, when I tell you those, that, that first six months after, like trying to figure out what the fuck I'm doing, bruh. Bruh, I was out here 
fucked up. And I mean, luckily for me, I had some friends that definitely told me what I needed to hear, not what I wanted to hear. They, you know, kind of gave me a swift kick in the ass, like, yo, bro, like, you not okay, but you being a dickhead about it. And you need to mm-hmm. figure this shit out. And I was just like, y'all right. Y'all right. <laughs> and, I, you know, so for me, I found an outlet in my writing. And I always have since I was younger. So I start writing heavy. Um, and it, it got me not completely out of the hole, but it got me out so far that I could see at least a little bit of sunshine. So, you know, I, I look at it like I was in a tunnel, like a dark, deep ass tunnel. And I couldn't see my way out. But luckily, you know, with time and, you know, some healing, able to do it. So definitely, bruh, I, like I said, I was in a very bad spot and I, I didn't know what to do. Um, I was fucked up. <laughs> I was super fucked up. And then I'll never forget when it really came full circle, I wrote a book um, called Disease of the Mind. It was about mental health. Um, and my wife, my wife friend, you know, obviously a couple of friends I haven't talked to in years, they read it, instantly called me, yo, bro, you good? Like, I read your book, like, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm fine. You know, I, I you know, that, that's where I was. And to this day, I'm be honest, to this day, that book is so raw. I think I may have reread it once. I can't read it because that's how fucked up I was. Um, it, it's a tough read. Like, oh, that, that's some great right. I'm like, thanks. I wouldn't know that I wrote the shit. Yeah. I had, I had to get rid of it. Like I can get rid of it, bro. Like that, that shit was deep. But um one of my friends, and you know, she she really pulled me, she really pulled my coat and was like, So let me ask you a question. I'm like, what? She was like, I loved your book. One, it, it was a great book, like it was, it, it was, it was, it was what it was. But how is it that you're encouraging other people to take care of themselves when you aren't? Um, I said, bitch, I never needed you to ever read my life like that. <laughs> like. When I tell you, I sat there with the, huh, she got me. <laughs> uh, I don't have an answer. She was like, yeah, no, I'm like, you, you don't want to be a hypocrite, right? Don't, don't sit out here and, you know, preach, oh, mental health, this, you know, be strong, da, da, da. But you're not taking your own advice. I said, who are you? And why are you speaking to me like this? So, you know, it, it, it was it, it was a grind, but I, I went to the therapist and I started working on it. And I, I can say that those couple interactions and you know, a few others, but those ones in particular have kind of helped me get to a place where I can talk about it. Um, Listen, you better than me because <laughs> I lost my father very young and in a very rough way. Mm hmm. And I want to say it wasn't until I was like, I lost him when I was 10. It wasn't until I was like 19 that I can finally verbalize, verbalize why I've been upset for the past nine years and why I moved the way I did. 
for all of that time. So you better than me. It took you less time than me. <laughs> so man, maybe not. Like I said, I, again, one of the things that I carry with me every day is is that. Um, and I mean, I just I, I feel so bad sometimes because. Like my little brother. My little brother's like my he's my bro son. I, I call him that all the time. I'm like, you're my little brother, but you are my damn son, bro. Like, so we have these conversations sometimes. And like he'll ask me a question. I'm just sitting there stuck, like, I wish I had the answer, but I don't. I'm like, mm-hmm. the only thing that I can tell you is you gotta you have to find what works for you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, just because it worked for me doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Um, so for me, it's like, it, it, it's, it's fucked up, right? Because most of us come from the inner city, low income backgrounds, most of us, yep. right? And when, you, when you're low income, inner city, work, work, work. The, 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 the goal is to get to a place where you can get a job where you can pay your fucking bills, right? Yeah. Nowhere in there do we have time or do we or are we taught to make time to deal with anything that's not a physical injury? All right, you know, I fell, hurt my ankle, go to the doctor. Yeah. Not, oh shit, I woke up this morning and, and I'm sad. I'm sad as fuck and I can't get drunk. Fuck that, go to work. <laughs> Badass. Or, you know, God forbid, you know, you, you know, your past your bereavement day your bereavement leave right oh no we, we expect you back on monday Nick, yeah i'm gonna be there but i'm not gonna be there like but you know th- this notion of continuing to push ignoring one's mental health is something that especially as minorities we have been conditioned to do mm-hmm. that since little kids I, I i you know i have a i have a friend as a son and like she talks about it, you know, how important mental health is and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, because you got to be careful how you condition them. Because I can tell you for a fact that I see it all the time. What's the first thing you hear someone tell a little boy when he falls? Don't cry. Exactly. Exactly. It's the first thing you Don't fucking cry. say. Not, are you okay? Not, you know, you better not fucking Back it cry. Up. Don't cry. And it's little stuff like that that we have gotten so accustomed to doing that we don't realize how detrimental that is in the development of emotional intelligence. We just don't. Now you can speak to it. For, you, you can speak about it from a you know a woman's perspective, but at, coming up as a black boy, bruh, only only the only emotion that gets any playtime is anger. That's it. Oh, this motherfucker gonna piss me off. Now I'm gonna go fight. Okay, that, that, that's acceptable. No, bro, like my girl, man, like she really broke up with me, bro. My fucking heart hurt. Your heart hurts. I'm being a little bitch. Whoa, whoa, like, am I not supposed to feel? Damn. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I know for me, growing up 17th of Lehigh in North Philly, you ain't have time to show no damn emotion. They're gonna beat your ass or, or, or try you. Like, Oh, like, anyway, oh he yeah. pussy. Let me exactly. Let, let me play in his face. Real shit. I mean, I never forget when I was a young boy. I'm not saying I was tough in there because I wasn't. I, I wasn't no bitch. However, like I was dating this girl, and like <laughs> T 
to this day, we, we've talked about it since, but like to this day, she said something one time, and I was just sitting there like, what the fuck are you talking about? She was like, oh, well, I need a pit bull. I'm like, you need a pit bull? Bitch, you want a dog? Like, I'm I'm confused here. Like, what the fuck said you, you wasn't run. I'm like, what the fuck you You wasn't ex gonna give it to her. That's Bruh, what she I'm like, said. And then I'm like, you know, just cracking jokes, but I'm like, yo, everybody asked for a, a hood book until he get he beaten upside the fucking head. Now he really got a fucking hood book. I'm, like, I'm just like, but again, where we came from, if you didn't at least have that tough looking exterior people would try you and put you know put you in very bad situations and it's just like yo like why is it as a, as a people we do that to each other you know what i'm saying so like i like i said i would love to hear your take on it being a young you know african-american woman but like african-american men like when it comes to dealing with mental health it's the way we condition. And I mean, we're, we're conditioned by the men in our lives or lack thereof, which I mean for a lot of us, lack thereof is a heavy part. But when it comes to the women in our lives, they're always, oh, you better be tough. Oh, you gotta be strong. Oh, you know, whatever, whatever case may be. And it's like, we're, we're kind of encouraged to shun emotion from my point of view. You can still be in touch and shoot a nigga. Like, I feel like... <laughs> Don't be in touch with your emotions and shoot a nigga. Hey, yo. <laughs> He's so choked. You can still That's the only thing I can say. Yo, that is the big. Like, you could definitely still be in touch with your emotions and still be a protector. Like, I, I've never been that way like I knew I never wanted a partner not to be able to express to me what was going on mm. in fear of me feeling oh they're not they're not strong enough to protect me just because you're expressing that you're you're having a hard time or you're going through some things doesn't mean that you're not you still not that that dude like I think we need some some black women need to dissociate having emotions and being a protector because you can definitely be both now, as a Black woman, we are told to su- suppress our feelings, but in a different way. Okay. So, no, it's not, oh, you can't cry. It's, oh, you can cry, but you still need to get this shit done. Okay. So, cry while you take care of the household. Cry while you're doing your work. You could still be all of these things, but this shit still need to get done because no one's going to do it for you mm-hmm. but you. Mm-hmm. So, like... Like I said, I was in a down and out place and I was legit. Senior year, I cried so much. I didn't even know I could cry that amount. Like I would just randomly cry. I could be in a shower and I bust out in tears. I'm no lie, no exaggeration. Like that's how it was. Mm -hmm. And I remember one time I was on the phone with my mother and I burst out in tears. She was just like, but is your homework finished? And I said, what? Mm-hmm. love grams love grams yeah everybody know that's my best friend but it was just like one of those moments i was just saying huh she's just like yeah you can be sad but you still got to get this shit done mm-hmm. because i sent you there for a purpose and your purpose was to graduate so all of this is cute but you still gonna graduate on time right. and i was just like damn and that's how i've learned to do my emotions yeah, i'll be sad as hell and still go to work <laughs> um no that's definitely interesting um it's 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 real interesting when it comes to mental health and like mental health issues, especially with black men. I never forget my little brother has autism. 
Um, <laughs> my mom worked with kids with autism, so like she, he, I mean, again, he's highly functioning. Like he got Asperger's. Like not that he's not that there's anything even if, even if it was, like there's nothing wrong with him, right? Mm-hmm. But there's always the stigma that oh well, ain't nothing wrong with my kid, and that, and that was the exact response that my stepdad had when my mom was like, "Yo, we should get him tested to see if he's on the spectrum." Which I mean, let's be honest, a lot of us are. If we're gonna be completely honest. Um, so but your dad, your mamas and daddies ain't take y'all to the doctor. Right. I know you got Asperger's, but it was like you know, his response it was a typical black dad response. Oh, we're trying to say something wrong with my kid. Well, yeah, but no, like it's something off. But like, there's nothing wrong with your kid. Like, he just has some things he got to deal with. But a lot of you know, black parents, a lot of black fathers, a lot of black parents in general, that. It feels like a personal shot at them, and it's like yeah, it's really, you didn't do anything it's wrong. Really not like it, it's just the way some shit shook out. Like you know, it, it it is what it is. Also, just a quick little sidebar that also comes from a lack of conversation too. I had this conversation with one of my friends the other day about do people actually ask the person they potentially will get pregnant by what runs in their family? No. Because we uh, we're gonna be honest, a lot of pregnancies now are unplanned. Like they're not even. That's fair. Why why do you feel that sickle cell runs so prominent in black in black families? Because people aren't having these conversations. They're not getting genetic testing. That they're just like fuck it, whether or not it's fuck it, we gonna have a baby or fuck it, the baby here, so might as well. Like it's just fuck it, we ball. That's that's where that's where it's at. Like because so, like I, I mean if, if we did start having those conversations again, not saying that it will prevent you from you know procreating, but like at least you would, you would have a better hard. understanding. You would right. be better prepared for what the fuck is going on. But no, listen, y'all be up there with this meat to meat. Now look, now look. <laughs> why are you like this? Why would you say that? <laughs> Because hey, you, yo, you know you that damn chill, bro. You know that damn bird after everybody be talking about raw sex. I'm like, now y'all got all these babies. If baby's not right, because you they, they do the genetic testing. They be out here spraying and praying. I'm like, y'all motherfuckers. Wow. <laughs> so and, yeah, that's a different conversation. We yeah. yep, yep, yep. Nope. We're gonna talk about black families another episode. <laughs> all right now. So I mean. So, like I said, for me, when I was in a bad, you know, mental mental health space, writing is what would help me. Did you have any tricks that you learned that helps you get out of like bad funks? I'm a positive ones. No, I'm a movie buff, right? Like I like movies. Movies are my thing. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So I would pick. I would like. I had this rule of thumb. I'm like, okay, bitch, you can watch six indie films and mm-hmm. then you, you got to get over it. So <laughs> I would legit just find random independent films and just watch them and continue. And when six didn't work, you watched another six until you were over this. And that is, it was a continue, that in music. So absolutely. Music is definitely it. Music is definitely a common one. It's definitely a go-to. Sometimes. Music, listen, if you notice that Eminem and Kevin Gates are on repeat, and that's all you're hearing me listen to, Mickey, Mickey you okay? Fair enough. You good? You've been listening to Eminem for six days straight. You all right? 
Fair enough. No, I'm not, but I'm going to get there. For me, I start going on walks. Um, again, walks with music. You just vibe out. I, I do that. Um, I go for drives. Not as much anymore because gas is expensive. But, you know, going for drives. Um, I need a a non-healthy one of mine. I've actually realized this more recently. I do a lot of retail there. Like I'll start buying the stupidest of shits. It's like, why did you buy that? Listen, I knew that I was a funk was coming on when I got a tattoo. I said, bitch, now you haven't gotten a tattoo in years. And you decided on this random Tuesday that you're going to get a tattoo behind your ear. Mm -hmm. Mm, Sis, go on, go on, call your therapist. (laughs) I'm not right. Um, I do go to therapy. That does help. Listen, my main man, Roger, be on point. He'd be, he'd be, he'd be drawn. I'm like, damn, bro. Like I ain't actually read my whole life like that in 25 seconds, asshole. <laughs> but he's good at what he does. So like, I mean, the one thing we'll get to that at the end, but like, yeah, those are some things that I do. Now, here's the question that I had, because I seen a post the other day. And while I do believe there was some validity to it, I also want to talk about it. What role does social media, and if like every conversation we have is going to revert back to social media in some kind of way. Because social media plays such a big part in everything in life now. So what role do you think social media plays in the maintenance of one's mental health? Okay. It depends. That depends on what role social media plays in that person's life. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is I use social media as a ha ha he he in a way to Right. Keep in contact or like keep tabs, so to speak, on what my friends are doing. You know, right. people like to post the accomplishments. I don't use social media as a guide for what I should be doing in life. Okay. So for me, social media doesn't really affect. Well, let me phrase this. Social media itself doesn't affect my mental health. People bothering me on social media mm. can play a part in my mental health. If y'all get what I'm throwing down, let's go. You already know what I'm talking about. So as you've seen before, I'm going to use, I'm going to use the last thing with the TikTok, right? TikTok don't, ain't fucking up my mental health. That person liking that TikTok video fucked with my mental health. Mm. Right? So it all depends on the type of person. So if you're that person that relies on social media as your it's like social media is your end all be all social media can really fuck with you especially if you're not in a place that you want to be but then you get on these apps and you see so many people that you know or so many people that you're familiar with because i'm gonna say familiar because you already know these people doing the things that you want to do and are are unable to it can fuck with you bad i'm gonna come at it i'm gonna come at it from bad send you in this whole cycle I'm going to come at it from a different point. I think that social media is the cause of a lot of people's mental health issues. And let me explain why. So shaking the table. So taking into account what you just said, I do agree, especially when it comes to the comparisons. Okay. Well, you know, me and this person graduated at the same time. They, they, you know, making $120,000 a year and I'm not right. That could be something that's depressing or, you know, some girl might see some other girl with a Birkin bag and how they gave out Birkin bags. So now she's depressed, whatever, stupid shit like that. Damn right? Birkin bags. But then you have to also realize it's the same reason why I don't watch the news. Because when you start getting the things, the things that are positive aren't what you see on social media. 
you always, always, always see the negative shit first, especially as a minority in, in America. When I go on Instagram, first thing I see, some black kid got shot or, you know, some, you know, some black girl and got murdered or, you know, the cops and got off because of another innocent black person. That shit starts to weigh on you. Like, it's like, damn, dog, is there anybody that looks like me that's not dead or on drugs? Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, while they're giving us the news, it's also, no, you're feeding us a product because you are encouraging a cycle of things to continue. And I'm like, that, again, while we may not look at it that way, that has a really profound effect on our mental health. It does. Um, and it's like, bro, what the, like, where, where can you go for a release? So you, like you said, for you, it's like, oh, I go on social media for fun, laughs and giggles, but at the same time, you're still exposed to everything else. You can't just get the fun and giggles without having to scroll past all the fucked up shit. Right. So, but then you also have, like I said, I, I I agree with your point that it depends on how important social media is to that person. But I would say that again, like we said in one of our other episodes, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Some people don't know or don't realize how important social media is to them until some shit happens. So I never forget when Instagram took off the like count or where you can take it off because some people literally live off of, oh, I'll post this picture and 200 people liked it. And the minute 200 people don't like it, oh, y'all think I'm ugly? Or, you know, they start second guessing themselves, right? So you got that part. But then you also have this part right here and it's about to get real interesting. So, celebrities, right? And memeing. I love memes. I love me a good meme. That shit is hilarious (laughs) and it makes me laugh depending on what the situation is. Right. There was a post that I saw the other day. I'm, I'm going to pull it up right now so I can accurately quote it. It was archives. Story it was a post about and I'm laughing now because now that I look at the pictures, they're fucking hilarious. It said when Tyrese had a mental breakdown online in regards to not seeing his daughter in two years, people laughed at him and he became a meme. When Kanye West had a mental breakdown on TV, people called him crazy and he too became a meme. The world watched Will Smith listen to his wife tell him that she had an affair. People laughed at Will. He too became a meme. Yes, folks. Yet folks wonder why men don't open up about their mental health. Right? So hear me out. And I mean this with the utmost respect. I personally have a problem with anyone that records themselves fucking crying and then posting it on social media. That in and of itself rubs me the wrong way, right? Now, now let's just say you out, you out in public, like with Will Smith then. He was on camera and it just so happened to catch his face. That's different. But like the whole Tyrese... I, I get why you're upset and I, I'm with you, bro. I, my heart goes out to you in that situation. But who the fuck records themselves crying and go, yeah, bro, 
I'm gonna post this junk. Who does that? What are you doing it for? Uh, ask the girls that be doing that shit too, because uh, I I will drink the Atlantic Ocean and put my left titty in a panini press before you see me purposely upload a video of me crying. And that's the issue that I had. Now I'm not gonna lie and sit there and go, I didn't so. I and maybe that's probably why I have a, a personal issue with it myself because I used to do that. Not so much recording myself crying, but like you can go on my social media and see that I've been bled all over my goddamn statuses. Oh well, why she don't like me, or I'm quoting some depressing ass fucking song lyrics, or some stupid shit where I, where the person that I'm talking about will understand why I posted it. So it, it it did what I needed it to do, right? It was a cry for fucking attention. It was what it was. I ain't gonna lie. I'm not ashamed about it. I was, I, I was a young boy. Still found him away. Okay. Nowadays, I post on lyrics because I like the fucking song. But back in the day, it was, oh yeah, you don't want to text me back? Find, find a song with, oh yeah, that's my shame. Text me back. I knew what I was fucking doing. Like, I did no purpose. But like I said, my, my issue, I'm like, you can't separate the two. And what I mean by that is, I'm sorry, but you had to at t- there was at least a part of what you were going through and what you were doing that you were doing for attention that's it and i i think uh it's crazy because like the other day i watched an episode of uh of i think it was grownish and um the, the there was the guy who was tweeting out some real depressing shit and ended up trying to you know hurt harm himself but it was like they asked the question he's like okay well you see people like post shit like that all the time on his social media so how do you know what's genuine and what isn't you know how do you know when you should you know either go and knock knock down somebody's door or you know give them some space because social media has kind of diluted you being able to interpret what's what Mm -hmm. you know so when it comes to mental health and social media i'm like the two are forever intertwined and like the inner workings of social media can be detrimental to one's mental health if one's not careful. Um, and it, 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 it compounds an already compounded problem, like because mental health in and of itself, because a lot of us from black, the black and brown community aren't given the grace or given the tools to express our mental health problems we already have that you combine that with all the negativity from the news and from the social media news outlets and shit like that and then you combine it with you know the, the constant need of keeping up with the joneses it's like bro how does anybody have a good mental health clock at this point they don't you know what i'm saying so like you know it's, it's one of those things that it's like you know our our counterparts not to say that they don't go through things too but it's like they're told oh you know Take some time off. How uh, you know? How many of our? I wonder how many of our listeners don't ever take or use their PTO. Oh, I'm in use. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I used to be one of them. Like, what am, what am I calling off for? I'm gonna use it. <laughs> I'm gonna use it if I need to use. Because I remember one time, for legal purposes, this is a joke. <laughs> I remember one time I woke up and I felt horrible. Mm-hmm. Not sick or anything. I just felt horrible. And I said, you know what? I'm not going 
clock logging into work today. Mind, yes, I work from home. I said, you know what? I'm not, I'm not logging into work. So I text my supervisor. I said, hey, I'm taking a sick day. I I laid in bed for a little bit, got myself up, went and did my nails because we know I like my grippers done. And I think I did. I ended up going, um, going shopping and doing some other shit. But I was just like, you know what? I'm I PTO paid time off is meant to be used. I'm going to use this to the best of my abilities. Mm-hmm. Okay, be like that. So so many of us don't because we just don't. <laughs> I'm gonna. <coughs> I need to take the day off. <laughs> so I mean. You know, I to wrap it all up, I, you know, I am a firm advocate for taking care of your mental health as much as you would take care of your physical health. Because if your mental not right, it can and will affect your physical. It, it will. Mm-hmm. Um, there there is a correlation between, you know, stress and you know, body problems. Um you know, overeating, stress eating, like a lot of those things still, if, if you got to the the source of what the issue was, it would be a mental health related issue. And, you know, I, you know, my advice that I always give people is if you don't take care of it, it will take care of you and not in a good way. Not um, at all. So, you know, I, I think we should end the episode with just some advice for our listeners with the mental health issues. You guys, listen, if if you're, you know, thinking about harming yourself, because I mean, I, I tried at least three times, um, you know, we've been there. So, yeah. you know, the, the one thing that I will recommend is, you know, find someone that you trust. Don't got to be, you know, wh- whoever that person may be. Share that with them. Um, you know, let them know, hey, I, I'm not doing OK. Let let yourself know you're not doing okay. Because so many times, oh no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'll, I'll be okay, I'll be all right. No, it, my therapist, and one thing that I have learned in my journey to mental health wellness is there will be days and times that it's okay to not be okay. That ass, like I, no I, one's I okay, hundred percent of the time. And, nobody, I, I, and if anybody tells you that they are, they lying. I I can't stress that enough. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay to need time to yourself because you're not okay. It, that's okay. Um, find healthy outlets, whether that be you going to the gym, whether that be you listening to music or watching movies, a or, new Netflix show, something, something, or you know, writing if you, poetry. If you depressed, start watching Chicago Fire from the first episode. I promise you. <laughs> so you know definitely i mean and i would also i would also say it's not a one size fit fits all or you know one fix is going to fix everything you need to be checking on your mental health i would say weekly at the very least Uh, Um, i was gonna say every other day listen i I, I don't say (laughs) daily but like if you know just starting off definitely weekly how was my week this week Uh, i think i had an okay week or maybe i was a little stressed this week but you know, do that and listen. If you got PTO, use that shit. <laughs> don't let that. Don't let your job be a stressor to you. Mm-hmm. And all jobs are stressful. We're not going to say that. But if your job is really fucking with you, like really, there's PTO for a reason. And if you feel that even no matter how much PTO you got, you st- you still not gonna be right at job. I'm gonna need you to seek new employment. Honestly. Because they ain't no job worth your mental health. Just gonna be honest. None. 
And people be like, oh, only people who are financially secure say that. Nah, I don't, I'm gonna fuck. You cannot put a price on peace of mind. You just can't. Um, but like I said, be willing to try different things. Like I said, medit- you know, some people meditate, you know, some people do yoga. That may not work for you, but try be willing to try different things. Um, because I mean, again, it, it's a continuous process. If one, I look at it like a car, you know, the, the better you take care of it, the better it'll take care of you. You take care of your mind, you'll, you know, it'll take care of you. But if you don't, that shit start falling apart. It, it, it could become a, a, a very large issue. Um, I don't know if the cap queen has anything to add, but I would just like to say to everybody out there that I love you. I'm rooting for you. Um, and, you know, if ever you need anything, you most of you that follow this page, follow me on Instagram. So feel free to reach out. I'm, I'm always down for a conversation, but never feel like you're alone in this world um, because there are a bounty of people that care about you that you probably had no idea that did. So definitely, you know, take that to heart. Um, like I said, I love you guys from the bottom of my mind. So, Cap Queen's words are this. Take your damn vacation. <laughs> Even if you don't have anywhere to take your time. Mm-hmm. Take your time. Take it. it. It'll give you the best peace of mind. Also, even if I respond to your text immediately, if you decide you want to text me, DM me, I'm here. You know, I'll be up at weird hours. So even if just don't call me on the page, I'm gonna look at you like you're crazy. Like, I'm here. We can talk. We can chit chat. You know, it's my job to listen to other people. So, and I'm also a resource to give you the resources that you need. So even if it's hey, I'm reaching out because I want to find X Y Z in my area, I can help you with that. I can help you get to where you need to be or where you want to be. So take time for yourself. Drink your water, please, and get your sleep. Amen to that. And with that, we will bring the And I want my 250. Oh, Lord, I was, I was going to mention it before she cut me off. Please get this woman her 250. Oh, my God. That would help us tremendously. Thank you. We love you. Well, we love you guys, and we hope that you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed recording it for you. We want you guys all to be loved, love hard, and be blessed. Until next time, brunch on Sundays.